the first several weeks, I spent very little time with the IT team. Really spent most of my time with the executives and business leaders. I started to travel. I started to learn the business from the business to understand what was going on. And even while having those conversations with the business, I asked very little about technology. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. The CIO's first 30 days can be chaotic, yet it is critical for his or her success. Last fall, I wrote an article on Forbes.com about the four conversations to have in your first 30 days. The article was aimed at CIOs who were either starting their first CIO assignment or were starting as CIO for a new company. As this season of Status Go progresses, we're going to be talking to CIOs about their journeys. They may be in their first 30 or 60 days of their role, or they may be years beyond and looking back. Today, we are talking with Andy Harper. Andy is about six weeks in as CIO for Southwest Key Programs, a national nonprofit organization that operates innovative youth justice programming, safe shelters for immigrant children, and educational programming for children and adults in more than 80 programs in eight states. Andy just relocated from Indianapolis to Austin to join Southwest Key. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I appreciate it. So before we dig in and kind of talk about your first 30 days, let's talk about your career journey. How did you get here and what led you down the path that you're on today? Sure. I started early in business and transitioned into IT. It was a very unique experience that, that went all the way back into school. From there, I moved in and out of very large enterprise environments, leading in IT, and then also in and out of MSPs, where we were doing outsourced IT services in multiple industries. Through this, I had a couple of unique experiences, a couple of unique things that uh, that I had been working on that had become attractive in the field. There was some elasticity that I was doing in infrastructure, and there was a lot of service delivery stuff that was focused on end-user experiences, less than what our process was, but what the experience was around that. I've got a perpetual curiosity around business, and coupled with my experiences, it just really helped to shape my career and took me to a couple neat places. So as you think back across that career, when did you start aspiring to be CIO? When did that enter into uh, your thoughts about your career path? I was working for a large hospitality company, and I was leading and traveling a lot at the time. And one of the things that I had heard at the time was the relationships that we've got with our people, right? What that should look like, what that should not look like. And it was very, very professional in nature, but wasn't very personal. When I left there and continued leading, I started having much more personal com conversations with my people, much more vulnerable. We were really breaking down barriers that previously I really wasn't sure that should be crossed. Yeah. But what I found was that 
the team, the leaders that we were that I was leading were buying in to a degree that I had never imagined was possible, right? So so what I began to do was was that, was starting to get very vulnerable with the team, starting to lead them and connect with them and build these relationships in a way that that we together could work on something much larger. When we were starting to accomplish those things, that's what hit me was I knew I wanted to continue growing because I wanted to make a larger impact both on the business, on the teams and the people that we were working with and ultimately on our missions. That's great. The desire to broaden the impact beyond just a single team into a broader team and across an organization. I think that resonates with a lot of our audience as they think back on their career and what led them to take on more and more responsibility. And I love that you added in there vulnerability. We've had a couple of guests on the show this season, and that word has jumped out in several of our conversations because it's not one that you typically associate with leadership. You you think about vulnerability and empathy, and I think those end up being key characteristics of a successful leader. And I'd love your thoughts because uh, knowing you the way I do, I know that you would probably categorize yourself as a servant leader. Talk to me just for a minute about how vulnerability and empathy play into that type of leadership. Not long ago, I was I was leading a, an outsourced IT firm, and we were really focused on building our business. Right, we knew that we had to deliver certain services. We knew that we had to do quality, but at the end of the day, we were I was really wrestling with. Right, it's one thing for us to focus on on important things, profit, paychecks, PLs. Yeah. Uh-huh. But what I felt was missing was passion, was purpose. What were we aligning to? Many, many years ago, my wife and I were introduced to a couple of kids um, that didn't look like us, but you know, their experiences were different than ours. And I started sharing these experiences. I'm now 10, 12 years into this mm-hmm. uh, with my team and just where's my heart? What's it doing? And are we able as a team, right? Because they really started to connect with my story. Are we able as a team to align our business in a way that can provide that kind of longer lasting impact, sort of a legacy, if you will. And when we really started sharing those stories and getting to know each other at that level, we really just started seeing absolute transformation in what we were doing, both the quality of what we were doing, but really our business began to grow as a, as a result of it. Yeah. Yeah. It goes beyond the P&L into, as you said, the the passion and the purpose. I think that's what drives uh, so many people to be engaged at their offices and, and with their work. So one of the reasons why I really wanted to chat with you, other than the fact that I just enjoy our time to talk, uh, is is about your experience. Because in addition to being new in this role, six weeks in, you're also dealing with a relocation. And many of our listeners may be facing that same decision to stay in their local area or relocate for a new challenge. So if you don't mind, if we start there, can we start with your search and what led you to look outside your local area into uh, different locales as you were thinking about this move? Yeah, that that's a great place to start. So, tell us about the process. You're you're looking for uh, your next opportunity. You're starting your search. Tell us about how you approached your job search, and then again, what led you 
to look outside. The listeners probably know you were here from Indianapolis, but um, regardless, I think that would resonate with our listeners about when you made that choice to to expand your search and just your search in general. Yeah. So it, it started with a self-assessment. Um, I was saying over the last several years of my career, I really began to focus less on on those profits and paychecks and things that we knew were table stakes to, to serving a business and really aligned to purpose and passions. And, and I was really trying to get into mission, right? What, what were we doing that was bigger than just simply serving a business, right? Just the nuts and bolts of it. So there was a self-assessment on whether or not I wanted to work in specific industries. A, a job did pop up in Indianapolis that was a great role. Uh, and I'm sure that I would have made a, a really big impact on it and done really good things. But it wasn't in a space that I felt like I was making a big difference in the, mm-hmm. in the overall organization, the community and that sort of thing. And, and so I started with that self-assessment. And from there, I went right into my network. I had been working on and uh, staying very well connected over the last several years and had a lot of productive conversations um, but nothing really had materialized from those conversations. Previously, mm-hmm. I had companies that were making roles for me, um, and now I, I wasn't having that same kind of success, and the market was at a really low spot. So that that was difficult for me. And and some of the people that I was talking with, they had been without work. They were great leaders in the Indianapolis area, and they'd been at, without work for six, eight, and 10 months. And so there was a lot that was just discouraging me right away on what what was happening in my local area. And relocation was initially not on the radar, but my family, we've been open to the idea of relocating somewhere south, right? We want to go warm for 15 (laughs) years now. As I'm looking out at the snow, you made a good decision, man. It's Yeah. So so we looked at southern cities. I I have family in the DFW area. We looked at some Florida areas, and I I, I really wanted to explore somewhere that that I felt like I could have that kind of community. DFW was a big area for me to to look at, and so the Texas cities were, were areas that that were of interest to me. Now, it is interesting that when applying for jobs outside of Indianapolis, certainly in the Southern states, the Southern states will network differently than we do in Indianapolis. So I had to figure Mm. out some things on how to approach that market. But once I started to figure it out, we started to make a little more progress, but uh, it took a little while to figure it out. But I started applying for roles. And, And that application process was very interesting because the networking piece of it was important. I had to figure out who the people were that I wanted to target in the business how I wanted to connect with those people, you know, what form did I want to do with the connection? What things were they connected to that I also needed to align with? So there was a lot of work that went into it to make sure that I was doing it well. That's interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about the differences uh, between the areas? You mentioned Indianapolis was different than the other areas that you were interviewing in, but was it different in each area or was it just Midwest versus Texas versus South. I mean, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Those differences. Yeah. So most of the, I, I looked in Florida. I looked in Texas. I looked a couple of other locations, but I really was trying to figure out. In Indianapolis, we have this really productive network around us mm-hmm. that allows us to use each other, right? And it allows us to communicate and collaborate in a way that is very unique to the Indianapolis area. As I began to approach, my first stop was in the DFW market, and I, I was looking for that same type of network in that market to see if I could join that, that network and use oh, yeah. that in the same way that we, we, we were doing in Indianapolis. In the DFW area, those 
networks, the big ones that a lot of these big CIOs and uh, the larger firms are participating in are paid networks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I started to target very individual and very specific. I mean, probably 200 CIOs that were in industries that were important to me, CEOs that were in industries that were important to me. And I started reaching out and asking them, right? So of the probably 200 CIOs that I reached out to, about a third of them got back with me. And that's I, a pretty good percentage. I was surprised. So it was a lot of weekend conversations. People were really spending a lot of outside time with me that was was rewarding. So I was excited about that. But the feedback that I got was that in that market, they they don't just do standard introductions like we did in, in Indianapolis. Instead, hmm. they were looking for engagements. What did your engagement look like? They wanted to know if you'd been in an interview right? Share the interview. They wanted to know if you had speaking engagements where you were talking to large audiences and large businesses. What did that look like? They wanted the actual video and the content. And then those executives would share that with the people that they thought it was important with. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very different, right? So the Texas market seems to socialize a little bit different than what we were doing in the Midwest. That's fascinating. I I know a lot of speakers create uh, speaker reels, which are kind of the highlight of some of their talks, it's interesting that in that region, they're looking for a similar type of thing. Yeah. And it's not something that's difficult to put together. You could go out to a lunch with one person who's asking a couple questions. You go to a little taco shop and it's taco about it, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and they ask a couple questions on what success looks like for you over the last couple of years, right? And, and we talk through what you know, how those successes are more about what we're doing right now as opposed to what we've done, right? You're only as good as where you're at. And so there's a lot of that type of thing. And then that gets passed around to the audience that's most important. So you record your conversation. Yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. The, no, wow. Normally, normally in like a video capacity. So if you're yeah. not good at this, you could always just ask your kids to help. They're normally pretty good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That gives a, a whole new approach to uh, the networking at Starbucks, doesn't it? If you're uh, in a <laughs> film crew with you. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like your family was open to this whole process. Was it a struggle to make that decision or... You guys had talked about it for a while, but when you finally honed in on Austin, was everybody in your family aligned with that that choice? You know, they, they were. Um, we were all open to the idea of moving. Austin was an area that uh, seemed pretty attractive to everybody, and, and it really did make it a family decision. And part of it was, you know, when I, when I left the last firm, I got a lot of calls from some team members asking, hey, wherever you go, let me know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I remember telling them that, you know, where we grow the most is in that discomfort, in that change. And so some of it was, yeah, there's a family decision, but some of it is the leadership advice that we give. Sometimes we've just got to follow it ourselves. And I knew that there'd be, this this was, and has been a very difficult, right? Very challenging transition for us. Uh, And we're still going through that transition, but uh, we're making progress. And we know that, you know, from my perspective, recognizing that from a career, I really wanted to make a difference in the, you know, in the lives of other people in our communities. My family was on board as soon as they heard, you know, about this particular role. And it just felt like everything came together. That's excellent. And I love that line uh, where we grow the most is where we are the most uncomfortable. That's, that's, that's fantastic, Andy. I, I love that piece of advice. So you've accepted the offer. You fly to Austin Tell us about day one. How did you approach it? Did you have a specific plan? Walk us through that a little bit. 
Yeah, the initial plan was a very typical 30, 60, 90 day plan. It was all about education. You know, what do we do? Who are we doing it with? It was what I thought would be high level. And there were, I learned quickly a lot of complexities to the business, in part because we have multiple lines of business that was important for me to get under. Um, oddly, the first several weeks, I spent very little time with the IT team. I talked with the IT leaders. We had some off and on meetings, but I really spent most of my time with the executives and business leaders. I started to travel. I started to learn the business from the business to understand what was going on. And even while having those conversations with the business, I asked very little about technology, right? Certainly there were some questions around pain and things like that. But the questions were more about how best you collaborate with your team or other teams, mm -hmm. how you feel connected to our culture. What are the biggest challenges that you face at your program or at your location or whatever that may be, right? And from that, what I was looking for through the story was how could I impact that with technology? Yeah, yeah. Right? So so that was, I, I put together an initial thoughts uh, set of documents and and use that then to take what was a, a very simple plan and, and started to really build that out. So you're now six weeks in. How has your plan changed? What are some of the lessons you have learned in those first six weeks? You know, I heard a lot of themes from the business and started quickly putting together some straw man notes about what I was hearing. You know, the application process, for instance, was a difficult process. Um, we had a lot of redundant processes within the business. We had data that was scattered all over the place. We can go get it, but it's just the plumbing between it was difficult. Yeah. The process and the experience that the folks were having with our technology was difficult. So as I started to hear that, I started to put together something that really, and, and I wasn't, this wasn't agenda based stuff, right? It was very open. I was trying to bounce the ideas of what I was hearing off of the team so that we could start putting together a kind of a shared vision of what it could be, right? So about week three, that started to become a little bit bigger. Now at week six, it's certainly uh, bigger still yet. So it's it's all about maturity and uh -huh. figuring out exactly where we're at to understand where we're going. Well, and it sounds like you went into it with with some preconceived notions, but not a lot. You were more open to building out the plan as you had these conversations. Is that a fair restatement? Absolutely. When, when I look back, it, if you have your typical interview question of what have you failed at, I can remember going, I, I was hired somewhere once before to do a big thing. And as I started to do that thing, I didn't get the right buy-in from my team. Uh. Right. And so when I got here, I wanted to approach that very deliberately. I wanted them to recognize where we are, where we could be, where does the business think we are, that they think we should be. And then I wanted to start lighting fires. Right. I wanted to light the fire to get them excited, not just about what could be changed, but how do we stand in front of our city, in front of the industry and become so good at what we're doing that any of them could stand in front of a group of people and talk about what and why. Yeah, and so I'm just yeah. lighting the fires to get them excited about change. It goes back to that passion and purpose that you were talking about earlier, right? You wanted, yes. you wanted to light the fire of passion. Absolutely. So now six weeks in, what are your plans for 2020? If you use your crystal ball a bit and say, <laughs> here's what you, here's what you think things are going to look like December 31st, uh, 2020. What's on your mind right now? Yeah, we probably have a lot more, um, 
application changes that are ahead that I think most CIOs will, CIOs will face on their way in. But uh, we have a couple core applications that we have some expirations on and we have some relationships that, that we're working through. But uh, we have a couple large uh, changes there. And it's not just the tech that is changing, but really we have large organizational change as a result of that tech that will change. And so for, for me, it's one thing for us to focus on the tech, but our experiences with it, you know, that, that sometimes looks a little bit different. So we're making sure that we engage the business early. We want to provide teasers and marketing material and that sort of stuff because we want them to see us as an extension of the business, not necessarily a partner, not a provider, right? We want to actually be the business. And so I think for us, it requires potentially a little bit of branding changes, right? We need to change people's thought processes, both in and outside the team. So there's a lot of work there, I think, that needs to take place. And we need to make sure that we're really focusing on delivering both quality experiences within the business, as well as to those that we're serving. So you mentioned a couple things I'd really like to uh, drill down into. The first one was marketing materials. Yes. You're an IT department. Um, yes. Talk to us about the marketing materials and what types of things you're envisioning. I can remember a conversation in our CIO networking group about marketing IT, and there was a lot of blank stares on people's faces when we brought that topic up. So dig into that a little bit, will you? Yeah, when you when you look at the core pillars of a business, right? IT, I don't really see as one of those pillars. Instead, it is a, a foundation that is under and runs across all of those pillars. And for us to be effective, we need to be out in front of and supporting the business as a business. We need to know what they're doing and they need to have an idea how best to use us. Mm-hmm. And so we need to tease the, the business regularly about things that are coming up because we don't want to catch them off guard. We need to market the way that we're changing and the way they can use us. We want to be fundamental to the way that they are, are executing the mission. And so to do that requires us to constantly stay in front of them. We have to advertise new features. We have to, we have to get in front of them for what their pains are, that sort of stuff. So is it that you're uh, competing for their business in a way. I guess the way I'm phrasing that is is twofold. One is the uh, nemesis of a lot of IT departments is shadow IT. Yeah. And that's grown because of the ability to plop down a credit card and buy that next SaaS application. So are you trying to sell the services, if you will, to the rest of the organization so that they they come to you instead of going outside? Is that kind of the idea? Um, yes, that's part of it. Okay. The business has been very good at focusing on tech solutions that solve departmental problems, right? And so maybe the HR department might have come up with a great HR solution. The finance department is working on a finance solution, but the data between should be used and isn't, right? Uh, yeah. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get out in front of them, let them know, hey, we can help bring that together. We can help make wise decisions around the product selections that are in place and how we're using that product, right? So that's a big part of it. The other part of it is that the IT department, as a result of that, really has been very utility, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and they haven't seen us as strategic. Yeah. And so to get in front of them and let them know who we are and why it's important to engage with us, that requires an education, 
Yeah. Right. And we use that marketing material as part of that education. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. And so that leads me into the other thing that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. And I know in our pre-call discussion, we talked a little bit about this. You mentioned branding changes. And I think in our yes. pre-call, you went so far as to talk about changing the name of your department. So talk to us a little bit about your thought process around that, Andy. Still a little early. Uh, but today, IT is very utility. It feels very old school. Um, and I, I don't think people are coming to us to talk about what's in front of the business and how do we help to achieve mission and goals and objectives for the business. Instead, they're coming to us after they've implemented something and uh, saying, hey, it broke. How do I fix it? Yeah, yeah. All right. And so there's a lot of loss there. And so we, we really want to be in front of it. We want to be part of the business. We want to be in those meetings that are taking place at the department level, at the strategy level, right, at all levels of the business. And we want to be able to help to, to, to do things at a larger area. Because the, the business at large looks at us as utility, I'm just considering what, what could be if we were to rebrand the department. And that could be, you know, swag that we're wearing. It could be different logos. It could be a different department name altogether. It's material that they're getting an email or potentially through an app, or you know, it's just the way that we're engaging in a way that says, hey, look, we are something different now. We're something new. Yeah, it, it is. It sends a message to your external stakeholders that things are different, but in a way, it also sends a message to your team that life is different now. Yeah, it does. I, I think, and I don't know when this episode will air versus one that we recorded last week, but we talked with Pete Williams, the CIO at Butler University, and he talked a lot about branding. And I know they've got a lot of swag, right, that is branded for their IT department. And it really, uh, you see these, uh, the team walk around the Butler campus and they're all carrying the Butler IT backpack or sweatshirt yeah. or whatever. It really gives them that sense of community. Yeah. It's sometimes the little things that really make you feel connected. Yeah. Yeah. So another area I'd like to drill down into is, uh, I don't know what your organization calls them, but your customers or your constituents, since you're more of a mission-based, perhaps you call them constituents, but can you talk about how they interact with the technology and where you're seeing some opportunity within your team to interact with the customer? Yeah. So because we provide a, a service, I do call all of my end users a customer. I want us to recognize, and, and we go through exercises uh, within the team to understand what are companies that you have worked with that provide great service. So you're the customer and why do you go back, right? And so we're, we're trying to talk through what those experiences are to understand how do we apply that internally recognizing who our customer is. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges that, that I've got is the way that my customer base consumes technology. The nature of the business that we've got, a lot of these folks don't have computers and, and can't get to email regularly throughout the day and that sort of thing. And so I need to figure out how to use potentially apps on their cell phones. How do I get them to connect back with the mm -hmm. culture, with the team? How do they get information? And what does the engagement look like, right? Is there gamification to it? 
Um, how do I get them to want to participate in that sort of stuff? So I'm looking at some of that to figure out how best to get them engaged. And that could be things for wellness. It could be benefits. It could be HR stuff. It could be notifications from IT or finance, right? It could be any type of the business, but I want to figure out how best to use that tech to get that message across. Right now, when you, when you use the word customer, you're looking at growing yourself as uh, an internal service provider. Have you begun to think about your customer's customer in yes, this? Absolutely. Right. We're, we're here. We provide a service to our business that is providing a service mm-hmm. for our mission. Um, so, yes, absolutely everything we do, we are now mapping back all the way to how it extends our mission. How does it serve the mission? How are we best serving communities? How are we best serving kids? We're looking at what the small piece of what we do, because sometimes it's tough. It's some, it's tough to say I'm, I'm fixing somebody's computer or installing <laughs> that an apply app. To the mission, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But when we when we map it all the way down, that's when we're start we're starting to find the engagement because we really are looking at how that stuff is helping at that degree, and it's been a big change. And I mean that goes back to the change we were talking about earlier is to change the mindset of thinking beyond just fixing that laptop and what it means for the mission. That's a great step forward for your organization, I believe, both your your team organization and your broader organization. Absolutely, yeah. So Andy, you know I love to wrap up our conversations by asking for a call to action. As you think about our conversation today, what are one or two things that you would recommend for our listeners, especially those embarking on a new CIO adventure? What should they do differently tomorrow because they listen to us today? Well, you know, for the new CIO, uh, you know, as we're coming up through that tech path, most of our, our job is around technology. It's around technology solutions. And I, I found many years ago that, you know, in the CIO seat that really probably only a quarter of my role now is about tech, right? There's a quarter of it that's business and probably half of it is relationships, right? Oh. And that's when we get into the, the vulnerability, we, right? But if we can put a, a huge focus on the relationships that we've got, because we've got gifts and talents in this tech space. We have a curiosity around the business and the relationships are really the only thing that differentiate our department and our ability to serve. So I would say, first things first, focus on those relationships, especially for new folks that are coming up through tech because they, you know, oftentimes our tech folks don't have to worry about that degree of relationship. It's critical to the success at this role. And the other piece, from my experience, has been really understanding, it sounds very cliche, but really understanding your why, but how your why connects to the business why. It's very difficult to get buy-in from the team on where you're going, vision, right? What the strategies are to get to that. It's very difficult to get that if you can't articulate your why, the team's why, the business, how all of that aligns I would say that that's probably one of the most important things to figure out as you're going through this role. I love that. Those are two great actionable items. And I I love the way you described the breakdown of the job. A quarter is tech, a quarter is business, and a half is relationship. I've never heard it stated quite that succinctly, but I got to believe a lot of our audience would agree with that breakdown. Uh, And then understanding your why and how it relates to the business's why. That's fantastic. So, Andy, I have one final question. 
Okay. Have you seen a jackalope? <laughs> I hear you can find them in Austin down on 6th Street. <laughs> yeah, you can. As a matter of fact, I did go down to the jackalope bar. And after sitting there for about an hour, there was a mouse that ran down the wall behind the bar. I, oh, said no. something to, I said something to the bartender about this mouse. And she says, that's our manager, Frederick something or other. <laughs> so after what should have been a very large bill, she charged just four bucks and told us that the rest was on the manager. So there's a tip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's pretty funny. I, I, I love that. So Andy, I would really love to thank you for taking the time today. This has been a great conversation and I would like to invite you back to be a guest again, maybe a few months from now uh, and talk about what you're seeing differently down the road than today. So if you're open to that, would love to have you back. I'd be honored. Man, I appreciate the time that it takes. I know, especially as a brand new CIO, your days are full. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information, and we'll be sure to link to the Forbes article that I mentioned at the top of the show. This is Jeff Tun. For Andy Harper, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.